Hello, it's Pastor Malcolm here with the service for Sunday the 5th of June, which is Pentecost Sunday. So let's begin with words from Joel chapter 2. I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Let's pray. Lord, you were so good to us. You have saved us, redeemed us, transformed our lives, and we praise and thank you. We thank you for the beauty of creation and the provision of food to eat and a home to rest. We thank you, Lord, today for our Queen and the 70 years that she has reigned in our country. We thank you for her faith and trust in you, and we pray for her health and strength in the days to come. Lord, as we come before you, we confess our sins and recognise our need of your forgiveness. We thank you that through the shed blood of Christ there is forgiveness and mercy, and we are made clean and set free. Come and fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit. Come pour your Holy Spirit out on our church, on our nation, in our world, that all people of every nation will come to worship you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Holy Spirit, living breath of God, breathe new life into my willing soul. Bring the presence of the risen Lord to renew my heart and make me whole. Cause your word to come alive in me. Give me faith for what I cannot see. Give me passion for your purity. Holy Spirit, breathe new life in me. The reading is from Acts chapter 2 and from verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them all declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. 
Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people, and your sons and daughters will prophesy, and your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Amen. We thank God for his word to us. So today we're marking and celebrating the coming of the Holy Spirit in power upon the first followers of Jesus. And it's one of the most exciting parts of Scripture. Jesus has died. Jesus has risen and ascended into heaven. He told the disciples to wait until the Spirit comes. And when the Holy Spirit comes, he comes like a blowing wind and like tongues of fire. So today we're going to look at what the Bible says regarding the person of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can be neglected. Um, you know, that we talk about Father, we talk about Jesus but we need also to talk about the Holy Spirit. So we're going to look at, at the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, the relationship between the Holy Spirit and Jesus, and third, the Holy Spirit in the church today. So first, we're thinking about the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. And there are four ways that we see the Holy Spirit at work in the Old Testament. In the first place, we see the Holy Spirit co-creating with Father and Son, in Genesis, the Hebrew word for spirit is ruach, which means wind or breath. It is the word used for God breathing and creating, shaping activity in creation. In Genesis chapter 2 verse 7, we read, Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. And in Psalm 33, verse 6, it says, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, their starry horse by the breath of his mouth. In these verse verses, we see the Ruach, the breath of God, co-creating and shaping all that is living. But secondly, we see the Holy Spirit revealing the will and purpose of God. So in Psalm 143, verse 10, King David writes, Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. May your gracious spirit lead me forward on a firm footing. You see how David depended upon the Spirit of God to lead him forward. In 2 Samuel, chapter 23, verse 1 to 2, we read of David's last words before he died. He's, he says, it says in, in, in 2 Samuel 23, the inspired utterance of David, son of Jesse, the utterance of the man exalted by the Most High, the man anointed by the God of Jacob, the hero of Israel's songs. Uh, verse 2, the spirit of the Lord spoke through me. His word 
was on my tongue. That's David speaking. He says, the spirit of the Lord is spoke through me and the word, his word was on my tongue. It's clear that David believed that it was the spirit of the Lord who was leading him in the way that he should go and putting in his mouth the words that he should speak. Isaiah, the prophets, they too believed that they were sent by the spirit. Um, Isaiah says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. The Holy Spirit has this key role of, of um, uh, shaping and uh, revealing the will and purpose of God through his servants and through the prophets. Thirdly, the Holy Spirit quickens God's people. What do we mean by quickens God's people? Well, he stirs the heart. He brings blessing and anointing upon his people. The people get excited about God because the Holy Spirit uh, comes into their lives and it moves upon them. In Isaiah 44, verse 3, we read, For I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. So we see this pouring out of the spirit on the Lord's people. And the, the imagery that uh, the prophet uses, that God speaks to the prophet, is like water on a thirsty land, streams on the dry ground. You know, I love it when I, I like to grow plants and vegetables and tomatoes. And, and when you have a really hot day and the, the, the soil becomes very dry and you come back after being out all day and, and the plant is drooping, and so then I water it, and when I water it, it comes back to life. It looks glossy and green and ready uh, to bear fruit again. In Ezekiel 11, verse 19, um, the Lord says, I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. I will remove from them their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. You see, the Holy Spirit makes a difference. The Holy Spirit stirs and quickens the hearts of God's people, makes them sensitive to hear God's voice, to respond to God and delight in, in God's purpose and plan for their lives. Uh, the Holy Spirit stirs and quickens the hearts of God's people for the things of God. Fourthly, we see the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament empowering leaders. So in Numbers chapter 11, verse 16 to 17, we read this. The Lord said to Moses, bring me 70 of Israel's elders who were known to you as leaders and officials among the people. Have them come to the tent of meeting that they may stand there with you and I will come and speak with you there. And I will, this is the key phrase, I will take some of the power of the spirit that is on you and put it on them. You see, there's this kind of passing on the authority passing on the empowerment, the anointing for Moses to the other leaders who are going to serve uh, on his behalf and on the Lord's behalf. And the point here is that without the spirit of the Lord upon them, they have no power or authority to lead. But with the spirit of the Lord, they can accomplish all that God requires of them. Similarly, in Zechariah 4, 6, we read, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. If the people of God in the Old Testament were to include, uh, accomplish anything worthwhile, it was because the spirit was upon them and working through them. So these four th ways that we see the Holy Spirit 
the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, co-creating with Father and Son, revealing the will and purpose of God, quickening God's people and empowering leaders. So the second thing that we're going to talk about is the Holy Spirit in Jesus, because this is really important. So in the first place, the Holy Spirit reveals Jesus to the people. The Greek word translated as counsellor is paraclete, which can mean counsellor, comforter, advocate. Basically, it means that although Jesus was ascending into heaven, the disciples, he wasn't abandoning the disciples, but he would go to heaven in order that the Holy Spirit would come and then they wouldn't be on their own. Wherever they went, whatever came uh, before them, they would have the Holy Spirit to stand with them as their comforter, to comfort them, an advocate to speak for them, counsellor to guide them. Indeed, uh, in John's Gospel, chapters 14 to 16, in the run-up to Jesus' death, Jesus promised his disciples that one is coming who will reveal Jesus amongst unbelievers. So in John fifteen twenty-six, we read, When the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. I think what's really important is to understand that when the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost, the prime purpose of the Holy Spirit is to enable the continuing ministry of Jesus, that people, the truth about Jesus, the gospel about Jesus, the good news about Jesus would continue to be known. And not just whereas Jesus was confined to walking in one place at one time, but now through the Holy Spirit, the believers would have the Holy Spirit with them. And wherever they went, Jesus would be made known. This is the exciting truth about what we find uh, uh, happening at Pentecost. The Holy Spirit continues Jesus' ministry. It will ensure not just that Jesus will continue to be known, but the disciples would continue to do the kind of things that Jesus did in his name. Jesus promised his disciples in Acts 1 verse 8, where you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. In Acts chapter 4, verses 8 to 10, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, declares that Jesus has healed the, heal, the, the lame man. So in verse 8 we read, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame, and if we are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and everybody, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. So do you see what's happening there? Peter and the disciples are doing exactly the same things that Jesus was doing, but he's filled with the Holy Spirit. It's where the power is coming from to do it and the authority, but also the authority is in the fact that he's doing it in the name of Jesus. The disciples were doing signs and wonders in a similar way that Jesus had done when he walked the earth. And the Holy Spirit is still doing signs and wonders through the followers of Jesus today. These things happen not to build up the ego of the healer or the miracle worker, but to point people to Jesus and the Father in heaven, the God for whom nothing is impossible and before whom every knee shall bow.
So we looked at the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. We've looked at the relationship between the Holy Spirit and Jesus and how the Holy Spirit continues the ministry of Jesus. But thirdly, we're going to look briefly at the Holy Spirit in the church today. And there are four ways again that we see this happening. Firstly, the Holy Spirit enables the unbeliever to be born again. In John chapter 3, verses 3 to 8, when Nicodemus, who was one of the ruling council of the Jews, comes to speak with Jesus in the night, we read, Jesus replied to Nicodemus, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Nicodemus asked Jesus, how can someone be born again when they are old? Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. And Jesus answered, I truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. See, it's important that we can't become a believer unless the Spirit first moves to open our eyes to see Jesus and all that he has done for us on the cross. This new beginning, this new birth, this rebirth, it requires both the move of God's Spirit on our life and the response of a repentant heart. For us to receive and be transformed by the power of God and be born again. But being born again is what is required of us. And it is what is accomplished when we open our hearts to the Spirit of God to reveal Jesus to us. Secondly, the Holy Spirit is the presence of God in the believer today. At Pentecost, Peter promised the new believers that when they repent, they will receive the Holy Spirit as a gift. Acts chapter 2 verse 38. Peter replied, repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Indeed, Paul later said that your bodies will be a temple of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. As they were standing in the temple courts, it was amazing to find Peter saying to the new believers, you know, in the temple in Jerusalem at that time, that was where people came to expect to meet with God, where the presence of God was, in the Holy of Holies. But now Peter is saying to them, this is a new thing. This is new wine in old in new wineskins. Because the Holy Spirit has come and will be in each one of you. Your bodies will be temple of the Holy Spirit. You are not alone. He is with you. So the Holy Spirit is the presence of God in the believer today. Thirdly, the Holy Spirit makes us fruitful. The Apostle Paul affirmed the role of the Holy Spirit, saying those who have who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. You see how the Holy Spirit changes our thinking, changes our mind, changes our heart. We no longer want to do the things we did before we became a Christian. We change from the inside out. We now have new desires. We want to glorify God with our lives. We want to live for him. We want to serve him. We want to serve the people around us. We want to be a blessing for him. We don't want to accumulate things. We want to give away things. We don't want to uh, you know, promote ourselves. We want to promote Christ in the world. We change from the inside out. In Galatians five twenty two to 25, Paul says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against these things there is 
No, law. He goes on to say, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And then fourthly, um, so the Holy Spirit in the church, we talked about the Holy Spirit enables the unbeliever to be born again. We've seen how the Holy Spirit is the presence of God in the believer today. We've seen how the Holy Spirit makes us fruitful, the fruits of the Spirit. Our character is transformed. And third, fourthly, the Holy Spirit makes us effective as a church. Paul teaches us about the fruits of the Spirit, but also teaches about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Gifts that are given and anointed by the Holy Spirit for the building up of the church. Some churches believe that the gifts of the Holy Spirit ended with the apostles. But the Bible teaches very clearly that the believers in the early church should expect to see the gifts of the Holy Spirit exercised in their gatherings and when they go out in mission. So in Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4 and 7, we read, There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. Verse 7, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Notice what it says there, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given. It means everybody is included. If you're a believer, if you're in this place, if you're in this church, you have a manifestation of the Spirit. The Spirit has given you a gift to use in the church for the common good. They're not for selfishness. Paul speaks of the more dramatic gifts such as healing and tongues, and but we don't use them for ourselves, we use them to bless others. He also talks about less dramatic gifts such as administration and teaching. All of these gifts are given by the Holy Spirit. They're essential for the disciple-making ministry of the church and the mission of the church today. So you can see in our study today how important the Holy Spirit is throughout the Bible and in the church today. We must open our hearts to the Holy Spirit. We must let him shape us, let him take control of our lives and allow him to build our church if we live our lives without him, we're living in our own strength. But if we attempt to uh, build a perfect church without him, it will be a purely human construct. We must pray. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way amongst us today. Amen. Holy Spirit, come abide within May your joy be seen in all I do. Love enough to cover every sin in each thought and deed and attitude. Kindness to the greatest and the least. Gentleness that sows the path of peace. Turn my striving into works of grace. Breath of God, show Christ in all I do. Holy Spirit, from creation's birth, giving life to all that God has made. Show your power once again on earth. Cause your church to hunger for your ways. Let the fragrance of the prayers arise. Lead us on the road of sacrifice. 
that in unity the face of Christ will be clear for all the world to see. Thank you, Gloria. So let us pray. Almighty God, on this Pentecost Sunday, we thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Help us to open our hearts to him today. Help us to see the things in our lives that need to change today. Come Holy Spirit and bring healing and renewal in my life today. We pray these things in and through Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. I pray that you will have a blessed week. Let's finish with the grace together. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all now and forever. Amen.